And do you know how many people would probably like run away at the sight of dismembered legs? Yeah. Dude, there's a four foot bong and a bag of weed by your bed. <laughs> Jelly Wings, the parlor game for nerds, is nearing extinction. It's in my pod! It's in my pod! <laughs> I will find proof. <laughs> I am very easily startled, Mr. Finkerman. I don't know which regulation body would regulate the uh, penis ring that you were talking about earlier. (laughs) I'm ready to remain conscious as we record this show. Hey, welcome Medical Stuff. My name is Mark. I used to be a new guy, Frankum, and that is Chris. I still kind of act like a new guy, Finkson. How you doing, man? Hey, you know what, man? In in relation to you, I think anybody is young and new. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell <laughs> you said that. Fair. He's the, same age as, he's the same age as I am. He's been a medic as long as I have. Yeah, but he looks so much younger. He does. He has aged much better than I do. Actually, yeah. I think you look pretty young. Me? I'd, I'd hit it. I, don't I will know. say... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, years ago, I was, tra- was driving with uh, bringing vehicles back across the country with my ex girlfriend, right. and she convinced me to shave my mustache off. This is before I had the goatee. Ooh! And uh, I, I walked out of the bathroom. We were at her aunt's house. I don't like this. This feels wrong already. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you this: they both started cracking up laughing because it made me look a lot younger. And I sent a picture to my daughter and my mom, and they both simultaneously text me back with, grow it back. <laughs> As if you could just walk back into the bathroom, scrape yeah, the just hair ho- up. Homer, Homer Simpson, that one, just kind of scared down, right. and it just comes here. <laughs> by the time, well, luckily, my mustache grows back pretty quick. So we took like a week to get back to Portland by the time it was of an acceptable length that uh, I okay. wasn't like banned from my household. Because I Whoa, feel that's cold. I feel like Ooh. I would have, what did you do? Um, well, I'm sitting right next. So, for those listening, stop, stop. I I really want to know what's going on. For those listening, we're remote right now. I do not know what's going on in Mark's real life. I do know how he. <laughs> so he's- I am up in I'm up in Bellingham. I'm visiting my daughter this weekend. It's her 21st birthday, and so I'm recording from a hotel room. And that was the air conditioner that just turned on right beside me. Oh, gotcha. So I got a blast of cold air right at my right armpit. You know what? Of all the things that you could have said it was right up, your armpit is actually not that bad. <laughs> well, I try to keep things PC and clean on the show. That's very true. Yeah, because that's us, the cleanest show out yes. there. <laughs> Speaking of squeaky clean, you know what else is squeaky clean? Um, the conscious of new paramedics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. today we're going to tell uh, some paramedic stories. And because these episodes are typically popular with our uh, listening group. And today we're going to kind of... Speaking of popular... Yeah. Last week's episode is kicking ass. Oh, God, it is. I mean, here's the the only thing I'm going to say is thank goodness for epidemics because that is doing well. (laughs) We talked about COVID-19. How about this thing? How about a little more PC twist on that? Thank God for the media playing up a possible epidemic for profits. Yeah, there's that. Now, I will say (laughs) this. There's legitimate concern over this that's absolutely legit, but it's more system and societal concern. Over COVID-19, as opposed to, generally speaking, the CDC has basically said that the people who are at risk are the same at-risk groups for flu and cold. Right. Elderly, young, and immunosuppressed. You, Mark. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I fit two of those categories. Yeah, right. And one of them is not young. So <laughs> <laughs> I think people got that. Thank you. I know. I just want to make sure it was still there. Uh, but anyway, speaking of young, we're talking about um, new, new paramedics today. And new Mark paramedics. and I. Yeah, and I, Mark Movies. and Mark and I have some stories that we are uh, going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, some some of the pitfalls that newer paramedics run into, and then uh, kind of how you can recover from those, and also, of course, some of the calamities, hilarious calamities that these uh, result in. So, Mark, why don't you kick it off? So, this is actually going to be a newbie story about me. Oh my goodness! So, um. <laughs> Many, many moons ago. This is actually when, when his mustache was, was not mistaken for the Congo from space. <laughs> this would be in the early 1990s. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I was uh, very happy the other week because I worked with somebody who has not been alive less time than I've been a paramedic. Wow, nice. Which is becoming a more and more common thing to happen when I'm training. But yeah, I was a brand new paramedic. I was working in Oklahoma. I did not have a partner this day, so I was kind of bebopping around with the supervisor. Okay. You know, um, not necessarily in the system, but yeah, we were closer. We were that bad off. We'd jump in, but more running errands with him. I was more his driver and it was a night shift. So we go to the scene. This crew's requested us to the scene and they've got a patient in the back of the truck who is obviously altered to the point they can't just leave her, but she's refusing to go to the hospital with them. And our relationship back then uh, our abilities and our relationship with the police department were different than they are today in that. Uh, okay. So yeah, we had a different um, relationship with PD. So we, I mean, it wasn't a bad relationship. It was more, we were kind of, unless somebody was trying to hurt us, we were more on our own. So crew called the soup out to the scene. We get there. She's in the back of the rig. She's refusing to go to the hospital, but she's definitely altered. So we can't. So we're just trying to find a happy medium. Of getting her to go to the hospital. And I'm staying at the back of the truck. The supervisor's in the rig. And the problem with this story was sometimes the new paramedics uh, don't see the big picture. Right. And don't know how to shut their mouth. <clears throat> I'll let you guess. I'll, I'll give you two guesses on who didn't know, know when to shut his mouth. So yeah. we're standing there and the supervisor's trying to talk to her. And I go, all of a sudden, I have an epiphany that apparently I thought was a revelation for everybody. That this lady was jonesing for a fix. Okay. And that's and that's what I said. And Ooh, the supervisor loud? goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple of times with gentle warnings from the supervisor until finally, and this guy has been a medic. He'd been a medic a while then, and he just retired a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, he's I'm like, but she's jonesing, Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, she's jonesing, man. Mark. <laughs> she's jonesing. Mark. Shut up. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's um, just because it's new to you <laughs> doesn't mean it's new to everybody. And just because you had the epiphany does not mean that everybody is ten steps is not 10 steps ahead of you <laughs> on the so, revelation. So it turns out she – so just to make sure I'm clear, she was jonesing. Oh, yeah. You thought you got it – you thought you were nailing this and it turns out everybody knew – well, but I you was until nailing it. I just wasn't unique in the situation of this nailing. <laughs> and, <laughs> so as funny as this is, though, there is kind of a learning point here. Whether they're yeah, jo- shut up. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but whether they're jonesing or not, the 
problem with patients that are looking for drugs and those kind of things is that they're, whether it's a withdrawal symptom uh, or just, God, I want to get high, whatever is coming through there, you have to be careful because these can at times uh, mask, or in some cases, withdrawals can actually cause more legitimate issues uh, that are not going to be resolved by simply drugs alone. And the problem is sometimes to get to those clinical findings, you have to gain the trust of your patient. And if your patient feels judged, because I don't know, maybe you're the new guy that thinks he had a sudden epiphany and you're going to start talking about it right in front of them, Uh, (laughs) they may not be forthcoming with that information. So, Or or may become, I don't know, this may have happened on some level, become less cooperative. Yeah, or (laughs) maybe even sometimes combative. Because they're not happy about their addiction either. Right. And so they are not all that pleased with this kind of, Slapped in the face with it. Yeah. You know. And so yeah, so uh, realizing that this is not new, this is just new to you. <laughs> <laughs> and understanding that just because you have a random thought run through your head. Uh, the things that I remember, are, you know, especially now as a trainer, uh, being on the other side of this equation sometimes is that, you know, just getting the people to understand that. I don't know how many times I've asked a question and the patient or my partner has answered almost for the patient because they realize what's going on. It's, it's weird to describe and I can't think of a specific instance right now, but uh, it's like, okay, I am asking this question for a specific reason with which you're not really fully understanding what I want to know. Right. (laughs) You're not picking up what I'm laying down. And, and I will say this, as we're talking about newbies and, or new paramedics or people that are green in the industry, this is not a derogatory comment about them because they're, they're just new. Right. They're not stupid. They're not ignorant. They're not – this is not – because we were all there. Well, actually, we with all, the exception of me, we, Mark, we started out at about the five-year paramedic level. But everybody else <laughs> has gone through this. Nice thing is I talked to that mentor – Again, not too long ago. And uh, apparently he doesn't remember the story. <laughs> you know <laughs> this what? Was not a, Perfect. This was not a big moment in his life. But in my paramedic life, it was like, yeah, Frank, you need to learn where to shut your damn mouth. Well, I see it's probably a common <laughs> moment because I can think of a few things trainees have said that, oh, yeah. are, that are amazing. So um, my story is actually not about the newest of the new, not the greenest of the green, but rather I would say the newbie that's new at being experienced. So what I mean by that is there's kind of this zone. I was having a conversation with Spencer Oliver the other day. You guys will know him. He is a friend of the show and does appear on episodes from time to time. A friend, maybe an oversell. Uh, He's an associate. There you go. (laughs) Distant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He's he's a, he's a guy. Yeah. We, we both happen to know. Yeah. I've seen him once or twice. (laughs) <laughs> but um and, and i will say this spence come back on the show and prove us wrong please <laughs> please we this is getting monotonous i'm just joking uh but anyway uh spence and i have this conversation and it's the four-year paramedic now, this is actually a term that my dad had coined and this is what spencer and i were talking about but the four-year paramedic is one of the most dangerous times to be a paramedic mm-hmm. and here's the reason being <clears throat> At four years. Can I guess? Ooh, please do. 
that's enough time to think that you have a really good beat on things. Exactly. So <laughs> the four-year mark, it's kind of that mark to where most paramedics have had enough calls that have been hectic enough and dangerous, dangerous enough that turned out okay, but nothing bad enough to show them that they don't know everything. Right. And so when they get to that point, uh, paramedics... Well, this is kind of along the same lines. I always say as a brand new first year paramedic, it takes you about a year to realize how much you don't know. Exactly. Because you come out of paramedic school with all this information in your head and it seems like you've got so much. And then you get hit with that situation of, I don't know what cardiac rhythm that is. Right. <laughs> or, and then that kind of snaps people into place. But then at the four year mark, they go through something similar. So what kind of ends up happening uh, in my experience when you first come out of paramedic school, Maybe you don't have a lot of experience and you haven't seen a lot of this stuff. But one of the things you're really good at is starting every scene. All right. LOC, ABC, vital signs, sample history, or OPQRST, and then sample history, which for those of you that aren't paramedics, those are essentially a string of mnemonics that help us remember exactly what to do. And here's the thing. They're that way for a reason. It gives you a very good, broad overview of everything going on with the patient. But as you become more experienced, one of the things you start to do is you start to make little shortcuts. Naturally, you do. Because here's the thing. LOC, which is level of consciousness, ABC, which is airway, breathing, circulation. I believe they have D and E on the end of those, which is disability and uh, environment. Uh, and then you move into a set, set of vital signs, which is your blood. I thought, I thought E was exposed. Oh, you are right. It is exposed. Okay. Uh, and then you move on Maybe to set of... doubt myself there. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> I figured, never mind. I was going to get really mean. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, vital signs, which is going to include a heart rate, blood pressure, things like, um, you know, SAO2, which you may find out in the airway or breathing uh, portion as well. But these are going to be some other vital signs that are going to go in there as well. Then you're going to move on to... Uh, OPQRST, which is basically a mnemonic to help you examine the current complaint. And then you have sample history. So, Chris, so what is OPQRST? All right. So, OPQRST. So, O is onset. So, let's talk about chest pain, for example. So, did your pain start suddenly or gradually getting uh, worse? So, how did it come on? Like, what were you doing when this started? Uh, P is going to be provokes or palliate. So instead of asking like what provokes your pain, you got to use real words. So like what's, palliate? uh, yeah, <laughs> well, don't use palliate, uh, but what's <laughs> going to make your pain, uh, better or worse. So chest pain, like, does this get worse with exertion? Like walking to like walking at all or lifting something? Does it get worse with a big deep breath? Exactly. That's another great one. Or if I push on your chest. So uh, if I stick this knife in it, does it get worse? Right. If I shoot you in the foot, does that take your right. mind off your chest pain? You know, things like that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Uh, quality. So asking, is your pain like sharp or dull? That's a good that's a good question there. Uh, mm -hmm. Radiates. Does it uh, go down an arm or like radiate to your jaw? Does it does it stay in one spot? And here's the thing. People with cardiac chest pain like that is that's kind of a hallmark of cardiac chest pain is that it radiates to an arm or to the jaw. Uh, severity. So pain is very subjective, but this is where you're going to be. That's the acid OPQRST. You know. uh, that's going to be like the pain scale, <laughs> zero to 10. Zero is nothing. 10 is world's worst pain. And here's the thing. We don't. <laughs> this could turn into a rant. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it totally can. So, you know, what? and I'm going to do them both. So two rants. <laughs> First of all, don't just default to 10 because it's bad. 
If you're sitting on my gurney and you're playing on your phone and texting and you tell me you're having the worst pain you've ever had in your life. It's not a fucking 10. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to doubt it. If you're not crying or screaming, I'm going to doubt it's or a 10. Or sitting stock still because anything else hurts. That Yes. I've, I've been on those people <laughs> where, where, where they're just in fear of moving. I will mm-hmm. buy that a, 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 as a 10. Good, good right. enough. Now, here's the thing. Here's the other rant is also you don't have to sit there and be super accurate either. God, is this a four? Is it a five? Is it a right. four and a half? Here's the thing. What we're really looking for is we want to know generally what do you consider this, and then we're really looking to trend it. That's what we want to see, is does it go up or down? So sometimes if you're not sure, pick a fucking number. Just be like, ah, it's a five. And then we just want to- I've got another one. Yeah, go ahead. I've got another one when you're done. I'm I'm it. That's it. Uh, This is not- um, Oh, God damn it. It was funny, too, in my head. What's the name of that? What's that? I got super tramped. Anyway- God damn it, there was a movie where they had their amp that went to 11. Oh, you're thinking of uh, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah. I had Super Tramp, which is another band from that era stuck in my head. Yeah. Uh, really good songs. Uh, but yeah, Spinal Tap. You know, your pain doesn't go to an 11. If you tell me that you have a pain that's a 12 out of 10, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. Why? 10's the highest number. If this is the worst, truly the worst pain you've ever had in your life, it's a 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the highest number I've ever gotten was 52. That seems oddly specific. A patient told me that his pain was a 52 out of 10. Mine is the square root of 1,788. <laughs> God damn, you got to bust out I your calculator. A, I had a partner who really, really wanted to get the uh, funding for a study on the 1 to 10 scale. So if the patient told you a 10, compared to the pain in your chest, you know, or on scale 1 to 10, 10 being the worst pain in your foot, how's this pain in your chest? Oh, it's 10. So you stomp on their foot. At that point, compared to the pain in your foot, how's the pain in your chest? Poke them in both eyes. <laughs> compared to that. And if it's still a 10, okay, I'll buy it. Yeah, I don't see a lawsuit originating from that at all. So you get your, sam- so you get your OPQRST, and then you're going to move on to something called a sample history, which stands for uh, sample is signs and symptoms. A is going to be allergies, M is medications, P is past pertinent medical history. So like chest pain, like, uh, you know, have you had this before? Basically, history that relates to the current complaint. L is last oral intake. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. While Chris dies, uh, E would be events leading up yeah, to this. Yeah, E would be events leading up to this. So like kind of what yes. you're doing. So some of those are going to cross so. cover. But anyway, so that's that's what that means. And new paramedics are really stinking good at that because they just got mm-hmm. out of a school that drills it into them. Well, what slowly starts to happen over time is you start to walk into a scene and you start to recognize patients without needing to go through all those mnemonics. And there's a danger in that because mm-hmm. sooner or later, you're going to make a mistake because you didn't go through the mnemonic or you're going to skip something. So my story is going to talk about a four-year paramedic. And Mark, this is pretty obvious. You as a paramedic, you're going to catch this pretty quick. Other paramedics are probably going to catch this quick. But for those that aren't in our field, this might not catch you immediately. So what I have is I have a story of a paramedic. And this is interesting. This was actually a senior paramedic at a time that I was a brand new EMT basic. And so to be dead honest, I did not catch it either. And this paramedic was right around the four-year mark. So we get called to a residence for a, uh, I think I want to say like late 60s uh, male for uh, an altered level of consciousness. Okay. Uh, We walk in there and patient 
is laying in a bed and wife comes up and says, yeah, he's just not acting right. Like he's not able to get himself dressed and normally he is able to. I mean, he's not, he's weak. I got to help him around the house sometimes, but like to not get dressed is bizarre. And he's answering questions right, but he just can't seem to follow instructions and he's getting agitated about the weirdest things and he just seems off. And so we start our exam and we start talking to the guy and the senior paramedic is asking and saying, hey, uh, you know, where are you at? And he's answering what we call the A&O times four questions appropriately. So we, we check to see if someone's alert to person, place, time, and event. So person is, are you alert to yourself? Can you tell me about your pain? Can you tell me about how you feel? Uh, place is obvious. Where are you? Uh, time is, can you give me a, a frame of reference of time? A lot of people will use, uh, I typically ask people to tell me kind of uh, either the day of the week or the month. The exact date is, is hard for me sometimes. And so I don't figure, here's the thing. If I have to check my watch to make sure you're right. correct, then I probably it's not a good test, you know. Or like, do this. Is it really Thursday? Yeah, exactly. Jesus, I didn't pay my rent. Yeah, damn it. Hey, I, I got to go. You guys got to call another ambulance. You know, um, but anyway, so, so yes. Yeah, so, I don't work on Thursdays. What the hell do you mean it's Thursday? <laughs> Why am I here? Uh, but anyway, so exactly. But, you know, so that's what person, place, time. And then event is, can you tell me what just happened? Like, why am I here? Right. Um, so that's the person, place, time, event. And here's the thing. He's asking, he's answering those correctly. But even me and, and the senior medic are both like, yeah. Something is just still weird. Like we're asking him to like, hey, can you sit down? And he's like, uh, sure. And then he won't sit down. Hey, dude, can you sit down? Yeah. Buddy. Technically, he's answering the question. He can sit down. Yeah. Okay. You did not ask the correct Fair. question to have him sit down. Will you sit down, sir? <laughs> you, you, you're right. You're right. Fair enough. Uh, but anyway, he's just not following commands. And so we start to kind of get a little bit of history on him. And the wife says, well... He's acted this way before when he had an infection. Ah, man, what kind of infection did he have? Well, it was when he had a urinary tract infection. Ah, gotcha. And has there been any changes in his urination lately? And she goes, not really. Okay. Uh, You know, has he had to urinate? an odd answer because how often do you check your spouse's urine? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so what ends up happening is – my senior paramedic starts to go down all the different UTI stuff. I get a baseline set of vitals. I get blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen saturation. They all come back relatively within normal limits. He's a little tachycardic, so his heart rate's a little elevated, but his blood pressure is otherwise normotensive. And there's just, uh, of the vitals I took, nothing standing out. I took some lung sounds. It is kind of pneumonia season. And uh, the lung sounds were clear. And my partner's like, all right, well... What this probably is, is he's got another UTI going on, and uh, we're just going to have to go ahead and get him to the hospital. So we start getting the guy loaded up, and he just starts becoming less and less responsive. So my partner is like, hey, you know what, man? Let's go code three. I'm thinking this patient is septic. Now, Mark and I- Can I ask a question? Yeah, please. Do you check your sugar? Like I said, you were going to get this pretty quick. (laughs) Sorry. So, no, 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 no. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So one of the things that had happened was this paramedic had taken shortcuts and the paramedic had started to see uh, hallmarks that he had recognized many, many times in the field before. 
And this was very likely a UTI. And here's kind of the fun thing about being able to be right so quick. And it's also the dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. When you get to walk into a scene, you got some starry-eyed intern with you, and you're the four-year senior paramedic, and you walk in, and you're like, urinary tract infection, not a big deal. It's, Boom, you flex for everybody. Absolutely. You can't take a patient to the hospital. There you go. <laughs> I, exactly. You know, And then you're just like, yeah, this is amazing and all that stuff. But the problem is, is here's the thing. Majority of the time, you're right. You're right. right. You're right the majority of the time. But when you're right a lot, it makes you stop looking for zebras. Absolutely, because sometimes there are zebras. In this case, it's not even that big of a zebra. But what it does is it makes you skip. <laughs> oh, it's a tiny zebra. Exactly. Here's the thing, though. Well, what he did was he skipped. Well, one, we skipped vial. Both him and I skipped vial signs. I got to own my part. Even as an EMT basic, this is an ultra LLC. CBG is in my scope of practice. I didn't check. You suck. Yeah, but I'll give myself this. I was pretty fucking green. So, and uh, he's been a medic for four years, so his fault. Uh, Anyway, so, uh, but, so here's the thing. And so what happened was this guy had walked in and he started skipping the initial steps. He skipped, here's the thing, because I can guarantee you, had he done a full sample history and someone said, oh yeah, he's a diabetic who takes insulin. He'd have been like, ah, shit, check a sugar. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't do that. His wife handed him a list of meds. He said, great, and figured I'll just get my history off that when I need the document later. I'm not going to worry about it. So we go lights and sirens to the hospital. We get in there. And as we're doing turnover, they start to ask for meds. And he grabs that list the wife handed him. He starts reading the meds. And you can just see the (laughs) God damn it look on his face. Because the thing is, you come in code three, you go into the room, and you have a patient who is presenting this way. You got like seven, eight people you got to admit this in front of. Oh, yeah. Doctors, all <laughs> least, that stuff. At least seven or eight people. And so a nurse goes, as he's reading the meds, nurse goes, what's his sugar? <laughs> and he kind of stops and he kind of goes, uh, we didn't check one. And so they checked one. Hey, Mark, what do you think the sugar was? Do you think it was normal, high, or low? <laughs> I'm going to go with low. Can we go with low? Uh, survey says, yeah, you're fucking right. It was low. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, in all fairness, if this were a UTI, it could be high. Absolutely. It could be high. Still the same problem. You didn't check the fucking sugar. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we didn't check a sugar. And they ended up giving him uh, some sugar through an IV. And, Lo and behold. Uh, yeah. And he got a lot better. <laughs> Quickly. Yeah. And so here's and here's kind of the fallout for the patient in that is that this entire transport was entirely unnecessary. Uh, right. Because this is actually something we run into uh, on scene quite often is diabetics. So diabetics typically have high blood sugar, but they take insulin or sometimes other medications that help lower the blood sugar. The problem is, is if they forget to eat – their blood sugar gets so low that they don't have enough sugar to power the brain the way the brain needs to be powered. Or, or sometimes they're on a sliding scale and they do more exercise than they accounted for. Right. They end up, yeah, they just, they don't, yeah, they don't balance it out. Basically, uh, too much insulin, not enough food. And however they got there is how they got there. And what, right. what insulin does is insulin basically uh, it helps carry sugar into the cells to be used. And so what it's- Like Chris carries a show. Exactly. I am the insulin. 
Chris Insulin Finkston over here. And we can call you Mark Sugar Frankum. Now I just have a mental image of you trying to carry me. <laughs> and Failing it. miserably and not through any lack of ability of you. And, and no lack of effort. No, no, no. no. Uh, that would all, you failing carrying me would be all on me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, but that's, that's basically what this is, is you end up, um, the, what ends up happening is insulin ends up basically saying, hey, sugar, there's not a lot of you, but I'm still going to put you in cells and burn you alive. And it mm-hmm. does that. And then when your cells are like, hey, I, I need more sugar, the insulin's like, I, burn you alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then when the cells are like, hey, insulin, uh, we need more sugar. The insulin's like, oh fuck, I right. I, I burnt all of it up, and right. and there's no more. And the cells are like, all right, well we're gonna get pretty stupid pretty quick, and so that's because uh, <laughs> the brain cells are the first ones to really react. Yeah, they're just like, well, well, shit, here we go. Uh, and so that's what happens. That's why you get these altered patients. So a lot of times, Mark and I, you know, and we'll do this call all the time. We go in, we check the sugar. The CBG monitor comes back and says it's low, and we start an IV. And we give them something called D10, which is basically it's a 10% dextrose in saline. Dextrose being a simple sugar that the body can easily munch on. Mm-hmm. And so we just literally give it right through the vein. They wake up. They say, holy shit, that was a trip. And we say, great, why don't you get a sandwich in you and some real food? Because the dextrose we gave is going to burn. It's going to go quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, something, that, something that's going to take a while to burn. Yeah. A meat sandwich or peanut butter sandwich. Something that's going to give you long-term in, uh, sugar release. Get some gumption. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, or, gum, or gumbo. If all you have is etouffee, we'll take it. Right. But the gumbo would really be the way to go. That would be great. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, man. The po' boy is not enough. Mm-hmm. No. I'll take the po' boy, though. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but anyway, so um, yeah, it just ends up being uh, it's just being called it. Yeah, and then they sign a refusal form and we get to leave. But yeah. in this case, because it was skipped, this guy got an. Un- they didn't get that option. No, Chris. they did not. They got. Yeah. yeah, it's four years is enough time to get a lot of confidence, but you still don't realize how little experience you have. Yeah. You probably haven't had patients super crash on you because of decisions you've made. And I, and I will tell you this too. There's kind of the other tragedy is the medic underlings that work with you, like myself in this scenario, kind of absorb what you do. Yeah. And I think that's a responsibility you got to take on when you're in a senior position or a training role is that the paramedics that work with you, they look up to you and they start acting like you. They will copy everything mm-hmm. from uh, unwillingly. They will copy your jokes they will mm-hmm. copy the things that you say, and they will start to copy your assessment. Because once you got to understand whether they say it or not, because they want to act independent, they want to act independent. They want to mm-hmm. be where you are, and they think you're cool to a certain extent. Totally get to know better. Yeah, and then they're like, "Holy fuck, I should be a senior medic if this idiot can do it." <laughs> Which is literally actually, it's a thought like that that got me through paramedic school because I worked with, I had some very good partners that taught me a lot before I even went to paramedic school. Uh, you know my. I had my basic cardiology down. Uh, part of it was because they were good mentors and teachers, and part of it was because they wanted an extra set of eyes on scene just in case something started going on with the monitor that they didn't notice. Right. You know. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm going to teach you cardiology because, you know, this will help you when you go to paramedic school. Plus, if you see any of these things happen, get my attention. So uh, then I worked with this guy for about a week, and he was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> that was in the middle of paramedic school. And I was tired and I was feeling overwhelmed. And I thought, well, if this guy can get through it, I can get through it. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah. Do you got another story to carry us on home? Um, problem is, is kind of picking a really good one. Oh, yeah. I am. Um, see, sometimes I carry the show too well. <laughs> well, I've got one more that I can throw out there. Go ahead. It'll be a quick one. Okay. But it's certainly worth it. So uh, this is going to be one of the things to kind of dovetail off what I was saying about younger paramedics looking up to older paramedics. Um, this is a call, and I'm going to briefly summarize this call. Um, but it's one of those things where, in my opinion, there's a bit of a toxic culture in paramedicine. And that's kind of the cool guy culture. Too cool to care. Yeah, too cool to care and sometimes too cool to accept help when it's yeah. needed. So I'm going to briefly summarize this call. This this call could could be a uh, episode all on its own. But what we end up having is we have a <clears throat> brand new paramedic, uh, paramedic senior, and they have a EMT basic partner that is fresh out of the FTEP program for this agency. This agency, this actually comes from a different agency. Uh, and they end up running a call in a very rural area of their municipality that they work in. And upon their arrival, they get down into this guy's house. And it turns out he is a double amputee. Mm-hmm. And the call comes over as a chest pain for this guy. Now, this guy is well known uh, to the local fire service that responds. And uh, in this area, basically, when you call 911, you get a fire department and a private ambulance response. Uh, however, our crew that we're going to discuss is the crew on the private ambulance. So they go to this house a lot. This guy's a double amputee. He has a lot of anxiety issues. Uh, his wife, she's... Just a peach. And so 911 visits there quite frequently. So they're kind of used to this guy. And they get on scene first, the fire department, and they slow the responding ambulance to code one, which means no lights or sirens when they get in there. And they get down there and they start saying, yeah, it's just another anxiety attack. And the senior medic, he's new, but he's looking at this guy and thinking, he looks awfully sick. For an anxiety attack. I've never met this guy before. The fire department has. They're saying he's sick. But uh, I don't, or they're they saying he's not sick. They're saying it's just an anxiety attack. But I, God, I don't know. He looks really sick. And so they start taking vital signs and they end up getting a, uh, a blood pressure. And the blood pressure is... Low end of normotensive. Normotensive meaning normal. So I guess I can just say that. Uh, it's right around uh, like 112 over 70. Okay. We would expect your average healthy adult male to be 120 over 80. Uh, a lot of patients we see, Mark, I would say it's fair to say 130 over 90 is more the typical. Even 140 over 90 is kind of more the typical. Do what's one thing I miss a little bit? Speaking of new people. Yeah. Because so many people have gone to automated blood pressures, having that new person take their first blood pressure and tell you it's 120 over 80 <laughs> and not another person on scene believe that number. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. Have you t- have you ever trained somebody to say, even if it is 120 over 80, just make it 122 over 78. Yeah, just, just go, go <laughs> a different route. Nobody's going to believe 120 over 80. It's too perfect. <laughs> and then so now it comes up on the monitor that way. And my knee-jerk reaction is to not believe it. Yeah, cycle it again. 
cycle it again. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, but anyway, so the guy's pressure comes back at low end of normal tensive. And uh, this guy has a chest pain complaint. And the senior paramedic is considering giving this guy nitroglycerin, as he probably well should. But he has a concern. Now, this concern, Mark, you may disagree with, and I, I kind of disagree with it. I don't think it's entirely fa- uh So whose concern is this? The senior paramedics or the firefighters? uh, The senior paramedic on the ambulance. Okay. Uh, And he's like, well, and he says, if this guy has a history of hypertension, perhaps, you know, because in this municipality, giving nitroglycerin can only be done if they have a blood pressure of 100 systolic, that's the upper number, uh, or higher. And In this case, the paramedic starts to have a concern that in his mind, he's like, well, that's a number written for your average bear. And maybe this is actually really low blood pressure for him. So if he is having chest pain that's due to a heart attack, Mm -hmm. if he normally rides in the 140s to 150s, perhaps him being in the 112s, if I add another nitroglycerin to this, could tank his pressure even lower if his pressure is already on his way down. Because right. of this heart problem. So he has that concern. So he turns to his EMT basic partner, who is very, very new. And he asks her and he says, uh, hey, um, you know, he doesn't ask her this because he asks, he actually asked a question kind of to the audience, to the patient, to the wife. Uh, <laughs> he asked the wife like, hey, does he have a history of hypertension? She says, I don't know. The patient says, no, I don't. And then the EMT basic partner says, hey, I've been on him, him before. He definitely does. He totally does. Right. And this is one of those frustrations where, do you have high blood pressure? No. Why do you take three high blood pressure medications? Well. Well, I used to, but I don't anymore. Listen for the facts here, though, because this takes another twist. Okay. Uh, So he goes, all right. Uh, Getting a a list of medications is difficult on scene because they're notoriously disorganized. The fire department's like, yeah, whenever we need to get a list, we just hunt for the pill bottles around the house. Uh, and so they don't really have a complete list of medications, but there are no hypertensive medications that they can find. Okay. So the senior paramedic pulls his, uh, EMT basic partner aside and says, Hey, like, are you sure this guy has a history of hypertension? She goes, Oh yeah, totally sure. So he doesn't give nitroglycerin. Okay. Because he believes, all right, this guy's probably normally writing high. This is low. Uh, I'm going to make a very long story super short by saying, ultimately, this guy's chest pain continues to get worse. The paramedic starts to do a 12-lead EKG and due to not a lot of confidence, doesn't end up calling it a STEMI. A STEMI, by the way, stands for ST elevation myocardial infarction. It's basically a type of heart attack that we can recognize on our cardiac monitors in the field. And then we would do what's called calling a STEMI, Mm -hmm. which is where we alert a nearby emergency room that, hey, we have a guy with a clogged artery that's supposed to be feeding his heart. It needs to be unclogged. Get your special team ready to do this. So when we arrive. These are the patients that are going to go to cath lab. Right. And honestly, these people have a limited time before their heart stops working. And so this is Mm -hmm. a really like this is a let's move kind of scenario. Um, Well, the thing is with a STEMI, it's a major artery yeah for the heart absolutely so you're 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 affecting a large portion of the heart yeah and the heart very well could just stop working and the patient could die very soon so so it it, it, it's a big deal um but for whatever reason he doesn't really call it a STEMI, but he still goes lights and sirens but he withholds uh the nitroglycerin from this guy uh which may or may not have ended up being uh, a good call but um 
it w- well, now to mention this, we talk, we mentioned STEMIs, we mentioned nitro stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There are particular types of STEMIs that we don't give nitro to, right? And I don't have the information whether or not this was this type right. of STEMI. Uh, I don't believe it was. I actually believe this this was this should have received nitro, but it didn't because of this thing that was given. And ultimately, this guy coded and this patient died. Yeah. So. Upon review of this call, because believe me, Georgia, it got reviewed, uh, especially <laughs> when they're like, hey, why didn't you give him nitro in the first hand uh, in the first place? Uh, it got reviewed and it turned out that the EMT basic on the call who swore up and down that, oh, yeah, she totally knew this guy had never been on him before. In fact, she'd never run a call in that area before. And how the hell did they know that think that this was a patient they knew stuff about? Uh, the fire department that was on scene knew him. Mm-hmm. She did not. What she was doing is she kind of wanted to play the cool guy. Mm. And so when everyone else was like, oh, this is anxiety, she's like, ah, totally anxiety. And everyone else was like, I know this guy. She's like, I know him too. Mm. And so yeah. then she blurts out, oh, she's got, yeah, he's got a history of hypertension because he's fat. That's the thing. She looked at a guy, saw he was obese, stereotyped <laughs> and said, oh, he's got hypertension. And yeah, now, so, and it turned out he didn't have a history of hypertension. So yeah, some people, they, they forget that, you know, we're not making widgets here. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> this is, uh, this is a major stuff. Yeah. And so one of the things that ended up happening was now did the guy, did this kill this man? Uh, who knows? You can't, you can't really say that, but one of the things to consider what nitroglycerin does is that it, it dilates arteries. Well, it dilates all blood vessels, but arteries included. And when you have a clog in a pipe, one of the thought processes processes is make the pipe bigger so blood can move around the clot. And that relieves the pain. Now, here's the thing. There's not a ton of studies out there to support the use of nitro to actually say that it, it results in better outcomes for patients coming out of the ER. There's a lot of stuff, especially in pre-hospital care, that, well... This should this does this, so it should do mm-hmm. this. And we've talked about some of these things in the past, like mass pants and stuff like that. Sure. <clears throat> you know, really with nitro, we're going on anecdotal. Yeah. Well, so there there have been some studies that have shown uh, that nitroglycerin reduces the um, oh, what is it? It uh, preload. Well, we know it reduces preload, but what it uh, but in terms of uh, in terms of outcome. That uh, patients who receive nitroglycerin in the field have a have a higher ejection fraction upon discharge. Uh, what we okay. haven't been able to ejection fraction, by the way, is how much blood the heart puts out every time it squeezes. Uh, but what we haven't been able to show um, is whether or not uh, patients are. I think what it is is actual actual. Uh, I believe it's cel- cellular recruitment after uh-huh. a STEMI, and that is basically how many cells are still functioning appropriately uh, during contraction. So there is actually some solid data now that nitroglycerin does have uh, benefits, but exactly what that benefit is, is, is still hotly debated. So right. one of the things, though, to keep in mind is because this person wanted to play cool guy, they kind of made something up. Now, given this is an uh-huh. extreme case. So just so you know, right. don't be afraid of your paramedics. They're not doing this on a regular basis. This no, is no, no, you no. know, there's, there's a, there's a, um, 
in any industry, there's going to be a certain percentage of people, very low percentage of people who suck. They don't necessarily (laughs) valid. I was going to go with, they don't understand. And I've seen this on some people and you know, uh, these are the people that like to sit around in the crew room and listen to the fun stories. Yeah. But they don't understand the amount of work that is behind those fun stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, this isn't just roll in on scene, yuck it up like it sounds like in the crew room. Mm-hmm. There's actual work being put in here. And I'm considering things way beyond anything you've been trained or, you know, you have experience of, you know. And so... You can't just be one of the cool kids. Yeah. You know, you, you actually have to put the work in and put the time on them and consider these things. And so you occasionally, very, very occasionally, you come across one of these people who the concept of being an EMT is much better than the actual work of being an EMT. Oh, yeah. These people drive me nuts, too, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's one of the things, too, that I will tell you this. If you're considering being a paramedic, sooner or later you're going to have to do an internship. And if you've gathered mm-hmm. experience along the way, wiser words of wisdom have never been said to me. And that was before I went to my internship. They had someone come and talk to my class. They said, hey, here are some tips when you go into your internship on how to get along. Because here's the truth. You're about to go meet someone that you've never met before. And they're going to say, hey... Uh, three to four days a week, we're going to spend 12 and a half hours about five feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. You got to get along with them. Yeah. And the best, the best tip I have for you is that experience should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. Because there are plenty of people out there who like to tell their war stories. Even as a new intern. Oh, as a basic, I saw this, this, that, and the other thing. But if mm-hmm. you get out there and that shit does not show then they are just going to hate it. Every time you open your mouth, they're going to be like, can I just stick my head in a bucket of water? So <laughs> that, you know, and the thing is also in, as an intern, probably just best to keep your mouth shut in those, in those sessions in the crew room. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because what can happen and it's happened. I don't know if you remember this person. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to say the term because they, they know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'm really good at this. Hmm. If you're going to say that, you had better be really good. Because if you say it and you aren't really good or you make a lot of mistakes, honest mistakes, people are going to call you out on it and you're going to get a reputation. And here's the thing about... Not a good one. Yeah. And here's the thing about EMS. <laughs> it's all trust, man. Mm-hmm. Like how much someone can trust you to do to do what you say you can do. It, it's mm-hmm. that, 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 is, that is your thing. Because here's the thing. If I'm sitting there and it's a critical call and there's an innovation or there's some crucial intervention that's got to be done, I'm going to look to the next person I trust and have them do it. If I can't trust you, guess what? You're the person that goes and gets the gurney. You're the person that goes and fills out the clipboard. <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah. Oh, what's your intervention today? Go grab a backboard. That's your intervention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that being yeah. said, if I ever ask you, for those of you out there that will work with me, if I ever tell you to go get a backboard, that's oh. not a bad thing. It might just really need be that I need a backboard. <laughs> if that's Every call, I'm asking you to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> or if I just automatically hand you the clipboard every time we see a patient. Right. There may be an issue. But yeah, if I just were on scene, I'm like, hey, man, you grab me a clip, uh, grab the clipboard or he go grab a backboard. Yeah, that doesn't mean you fall into this category. Oh, this, if I'm telling you to get on a backboard <laughs> in a call where a backboard simply is not indicated, that's probably a sign I don't want you near the patient. Right. Is this a chest pain call? <laughs> yeah, just go try and find one anyway. Exactly. Just get a backboard and hold it. And then when we're about to well, go, so put it back in the rig. You're talking about words of wisdom. And we're talking about that four-year paramedic 
you know, yeah. uh, earlier that, uh, you know, you get to that point in your career where you think you've got a really good beat on things and then you find out that you are missing stuff mm-hmm. because of that. My very first FTO, uh, we carried what were called Thomas Packs, which uh, we have some of the, well, the big orange things we have at the uh, standbys. Okay. Right. Uh, it was an earlier version of this. And it, on these, these are big pack, literally they're backpacks and you can stuff a bunch of stuff in them. They're all sectioned off, so you can keep different things in different places, so everything's kept nice and orderly and tidy. On the particular uh, version we had, on the big flap, so you unzip it, you unzip it and the whole flap opens up. I like flaps. Um, mm-hmm. There's uh, two. There was two compartments at the very top of that flap. They were zippered shut compartments, and they were clear, so you could put stuff in there, see what's in there. And they were kind of, they ended up being kind of miscellaneous, all that stuff you really didn't have anywhere else to put. Okay. You know, yeah. yeah, you went in there, you know, because it was easy to find stuff in there when you were looking for that once in a hundred call piece of equipment that you need. Well, if you looked at it closely enough, or in this case, somebody showed me this, at the of those two zippered pouches, underneath them was a Vel- uh, strip of Velcro. So there was actually like a hidden compartment back up and behind it. And I think the initial intention was for your narcs to go there. Oh, okay. So that just, they weren't readily visible, right? Yeah. My FTO told me, he goes, this is where you keep your inflatable dog. <laughs> I was like, my inflatable dog? He goes, yeah, so really, no matter where you are or what you're doing, you can pull the pooch out and screw it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his reminder that you always have the chance of fucking up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, so. no matter what, you could always do this pretty yeah. bad. On scene, in the rig, anywhere else, no matter where you are, you can always pull the pooch out yeah. and screw it. Again, unless you're me and Mark. We're perfect. Right. We started out yeah. with, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't really have one good story, but I do have a conceptual section here to finish off with, if you're cool with that. Yeah, let's just bust it out quickly, because I got to edit uh, this shit, motherfucker. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, this is trying to drag your new partners be them EMTs or paramedics, into the reality of being a paramedic. Right. In which, and something that will, on some level, is going to affect you long-term in your life. Uh, I had a partner who was very, very new, and you know this person. They work at our company. Uh, How I describe this person to other people, their personality, I ask people if they've seen the original Poltergeist. Which of you? Uh, yes, it has been some with a time. Little, with, a little blonde, with a little blonde girl that gets taken into yeah. the nether, re- nether realm, right? Yeah. And they need to take her in because the all these uh, burnouts <laughs> need her, her good soul to get into heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I describe this person because she was – and she still is very sweet, very, you know – I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, she's the burnout. The, she's the sweet, the pure soul. The rest of us burnouts need to get into heaven. <laughs> um, but I, I was talking to her. I was like, this job is going to change you. You realize that. And one of the ways it changes you, I feel, and you can disagree with me for like Christmas. It makes you taller. It does make you taller. Um, is we break societal norms on a regular break, a regular basis. I don't know, I think a regular break has actually worked out. Hmm? Never mind. Didn't work out. Okay. Uh, but no, we, even if it's just driving on the wrong side of the road. Right. You know, Getting drunk you on a Tuesday. You will do and see things. Sorry, go ahead. You will, you will do and see things that most people will never, never do in their life. I, I tell people, I'm like, you know, not that I want specifics and I don't want specifics, 
But how many strangers do you invite into your house, much less into your bedroom? <laughs> Got to ask and, that question to the right person, Mark. Like that's, <laughs> well, that's why I say I don't want specifics, yeah. you know. But it, it's just, but we do it as a matter of course. Oh, yeah. How many times a day will we walk into someone's bedroom like it's, like it's their living room? You know, walk in, walk to the house, you know. They don't know us from Adam. And then I'm going to say, you know what? I'm good at enough of my job. I'm going to stick a sharp object in you. <laughs> and I'm going to give you medications that could alter your level of consciousness. And I mean, and I drove here in a manner that would land most people in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, uh, you know, if we weren't in an ambulance, yes, we would be on the news. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're going through lights. And, and sometimes and so even when we are in an ambulance, we make the news. So exactly. Uh, <laughs> So I, uh, yeah, so go ahead. My last little story is uh, working with a partner had a, a, a basic writer with us that day, uh, employee doing some training, and this person was very very green, very 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 green, and uh, so we go on scene of a call or before this because I mean I'm talking to the green point to the point where you're like having to guide them through the hallways. Oh, wow. You know, or you're having to, like, explain everything. Okay, we need to pull a gurney out. Okay, let's get the lower of the legs down. Okay, make sure they're on the ground. Make sure all four of them are down. Okay, let's go ahead and unlatch it from the back of the ambulance. Let's, And that's going in on scene to the call, not even with a patient on it. So, <laughs> normal. That level of green, right? And my partner that day was like, dude, why do you do this? You know, this is, it's a lot of work. I'm like, well, it is. But I really... As a trainer or a teacher, I like being able to provide people with that aha moment where they, oh, okay. Yeah. Fast forward to a call we go on. It's at a uh, local uh, exercise gym uh, down in the southern part of our county. It's better than those non-exercising gyms. Right. Which is just called a bar. I thought it was called um, a James. Okay. <laughs> so we go in and there's a woman there. She's in her sports bra. She's in, you know, uh, like track pants, stuff like that, complaining of some light chest pain while exercising. So walk up, and as it happens, I know this woman. Hmm. I coded her husband a couple of years before, and we code saved him. Oh, good. Yeah, because she goes, hey, I know you. You took care of my husband. I go, oh, okay. And this is whenever anybody says this to me, I always, go, I always ask the same question. Did I do a good job? <laughs> well, she goes, she said that. She goes, well, he, you, you know, he's still alive. I go, Eh, same question. <laughs> How happily are you married, basically, is what I'm saying here, you know. So, uh, she's in her mid-50s, you know. And so, we're sitting there talking. And I I hand the uh, trainee. I say, hey, man, can you put the three lead on her? And I hand him the cables. So, I go over there. or he, I'm watching him. He goes around. He stands there. The, the, my parent partner's talking to her and uh, doing an actual – doing his job as opposed to BSing, which is what she and I are doing. Right. And I watch him. He stands there and he looks and he kind of looks at the cables and he looks at her. And then he taps the paramedic on the shoulder and hands him the cables. <laughs> huh. Right? So I'm like, okay. So he comes back over and I'm like, hey, can you check a sugar for me? So um, at this point, she's like, you know, I really think I just pulled something. All this, you know, everything like that. She doesn't really want to go with us. And with what she was telling us, I agreed with her. Yeah. But he's getting ready to check a sugar. And I'm standing there and I'm watching him and I'm talking to her. And all of a sudden I go, stop to my trainee. And he stops and I reach over and I reverse the lancet. Oh, good gravy. Because <laughs> he's getting, he's, you know, he's pointing it toward the Sharpie bit towards his finger. I go, on ours, I'm like, okay, so the little, uh, 
little catch that you push to release the spring. That comes down and kind of points to the pointy end. He's like, oh, oh, good to know, good to know. Okay, so he checks your sugar and everything like that. We're clearing up. We're putting everything back together. My partner comes over. The paramedic partner comes over. He goes, I see why you do this now. I'm like, oh, there's definitely an entertainment value oh, to yeah. this. Don't that's just funny. That is good. <laughs> yeah. So I ask him as we get up to the rig, I'm like, hey, you know, why didn't you put the three lead on the patient? And there's acceptable reasons. Like, well, I couldn't really get a good angle. The paramedic was in the way, so I felt he could do it better, stuff like that. She was a very well-endowed woman, and it intimidated him. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't want to touch the movies. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, well, you know, as long as you act in a professional manner, I've never had anybody have a problem with what I'm going to do if I explain it to them and I act professionally, you know. If I stand there and giggle like Beavis, yeah, they're probably not going to let me do a 12 fleet. Right. Or you're going to do one and they're going to call your supervisor. Right. <laughs> like, hey. There will be IRs written. Yeah. And probably urine cups filled. Yeah. So. But no, it's, uh, yeah, it's getting the new people to understand we're going to do some weird stuff. The, the uniform gets you places that most of the time you're not allowed to go or do things you're not allowed to do. Nothing like doing... The appropriate speed limit for the traffic patterns and the weather on that day, and being followed by a police officer who, tra- you know, who's right on your tail. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah. So that was my last little bit was just kind of that concept of getting people to understand, new people understand that you know this is a weird job. It is a weird, weird, weird job. Well, yeah, and so that's why being a new paramedic is fun, <laughs> or at <laughs> least watching them sure is. Well, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that is all I have for uh, paramedic tales of the beyond uh, when it comes to So news. I got a couple things. Do you? Real quick. Yeah, real quick stuff. Just uh, So uh, I would like as many people that feel comfortable doing it, uh, check into our co-podcast, or not our co-podcast, a podcast done by our friend. It's called Positive Light, L-I-G-H-T. Um, it is done by a gentleman we co- or is a co-worker of ours at our facility. Lots of co's in or the, the company. Huh? A lot of co's, yeah. yeah co- um, it is a more faith-based uh, podcast. And by more faith-based, he means entirely faith-based. Yes. <laughs> really anything. We could go, yay, God, and we just became more faith-based in this podcast. That's very true. Um, it is also safe for work. Yeah. Bob is a Bob is a much better human being than Chris and I. Right. A much cleaner human being than Chris and I. It is faith-based because uh, Bob is probably getting into that place. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he, he's uh, definitely on good terms with Big G. Yeah. You know. Uh, Bob, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a good, solid Christian man. He um, he does pastor First Church, but he's um, I believe this week he's going to have an interview with a gentleman who turned his life around through God. So, if you are interested in that kind of stuff, please go over and give Bob some listening. Give him some love on the on the uh, uh, reviews. He would love it. He's now completely up on like all the major podcasting networks. Uh, there's still a couple ones he's trying to get into, but some of those just take time. So please do go listen to that. Also, congratulations to Chris. Thank you. Yes, I'm going to say this to you, fucker, Fingston. Uh, last week's podcast on coronavirus was an excellent podcast, and people really thought so because it is now, in one week, become our number one most downloaded podcast. That's right, motherfuckers. I'm just going to point this out <laughs> that once again, and, I, and I'm going to take this in the most humble way possible, that once again, Chris Fingston, hey, Mark, I'm going to edit all your voice out at this point anyway. You should stop talking. Uh <laughs> There's one review once a long time ago that one man left that said that we lost all credibility because Mark decided to say Obi Jin 
jokingly, humorously, instead of OBGYN. And then he said, and I quote-ish, the other guy <laughs> seems to know what he's saying. The other guy being me. <laughs> seems, to know, seems to know what he's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So I will point out, he only gave us one star, by the way, in that review. Uh <laughs> Which I will still contest. Should have been two and a half OB, stars. OBGYN, where I worked in Oklahoma, was a common term for an OBGYN. He's also good at making excuses, ladies and gentlemen. But what he's not good <laughs> at is carrying this show. That honor goes directly to me. <laughs> to Crystal Bond. So ba- <laughs> yes. So basically, because of that one review and the fact that the, my solo episode, and it has nothing to do with the timing of my solo episode. It has everything to do with how I did it. The fact it was a hot topic. And it was, in all fairness, uh, it was recommended to us by a listener to do it. So don't feel like yeah. that's important. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, those are those are the two announcements. Chris is uh, the only reason we're still on the air, and Bob is trying to drag Chris and I kicking and screaming into a better life. Yeah, not going to happen, Bob. Yeah. And but all of I us, appreciate all you of trying. Us. I think this week's episode is actually uh, it's going to be pretty powerful. So. Anyway, that's all I have. That's all I have. So thank you all for listening. Uh, if you feel comfortable, please, especially any new listeners we have, we hope to listen, you know, go and listen to our back episodes. Keep going. Uh, please give us uh, reviews. Five-star reviews are always the best to help us get on the lists and help us spread the word of medical stuff. I had two recogn- recognitions this week. Yeah. I had two people. I was working with one of them, and we were three-quarters of the way through the day when he all of a sudden went, are you that Mark Frankum? It was right after a phone call you and I had. How many fucking Mark <laughs> Frankums do you know? <laughs> and then uh, I was sitting in the crew room and somebody goes, hey, are you Mark Frankum? No. <laughs> Which is my go-to answer when anybody asks me that. You know, no. That. Okay. Hey, so uh, anyway, uh, get a hold of us on the social medias. We're on Twitter at Medical Medside Stuff, M-E-D-S-I-D-E-S-T-U-F-F. We're on Instagram at Medical Stuff 52. We're on Facebook at Medical Stuff, and you can get a hold of us by email at medsidestuff at yahoo.com. So please leave us a message. We do try and look at all of our messages. Um, sometimes it's a couple weeks or so before I get back to them, but I always do try to answer every single one. So I hope you have a good week. We will talk to you next week. And in that matter, toast. <laughs>